I'm Carson Horn, and it's Monday at 10, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. I was in Nashville, Tennessee on Saturday to see Auburn take on Vanderbilt. And well, it was an it was an interesting day, and I and I've got some things to share about my experience on the show today. We've got a full show as always. I'm Carson Horn. Thank you all for tuning in, whether you're listening live or listening on podcasts. We're gonna recap this Auburn and Vanderbilt game. We'll we'll talk about the good, the bad. We'll go through previewing the Arkansas game this weekend. We've also got to continue to talk about Auburn basketball as they will play their first real game this Saturday and uh, this Tuesday, excuse me, against Baylor. Uh going to be a big matchup, going to be a fun game to watch. So we've got to finish that out. So we have got a loaded show as always. Again, we are in a very very busy time of the year with college football and college basketball going on simultaneously, but I wouldn't have it any other way. It makes for, for a fun show and makes for fun viewing if you're an Auburn fan. So with that, let's dive in to Saturday's game with football first. Auburn won 31-15 to on Saturday. I was really close with my prediction. I was pleased with that. I said Auburn would break 30. They did. I had 31-10, so I, w- I was just off by a little bit there. But I mentioned it, it being a weird game, a weird environment, weird game. For, for starters, which isn't a surprise, but the crowd was majority Auburn. It, it was like a, a home game to a certain extent as far as the crowd noise went. Uh, you know, you do feel for Vanderbilt and those players and that coaching staff to, be, to essentially never play a home game because it's not just Auburn fans that do that to them. It's pretty much everyone they play, and so they're used to it. But still, I know that's got a stink to not really ever have a true home game, a true home environment. Like third down was extremely loud for Vanderbilt. Like that's not how that's not how it should be. You shouldn't have to be nearly having to use a silent count at home. So I did feel bad for them. So, so that for one made it made it weird, but also. I mentioned if you read my preview article or if you followed college football this season, you know that Vanderbilt has major renovations going on at their stadium this year. It looks like it'll be really nice when it's finished, but it made for a really almost like a high school-like environment. In order to, to get into the stadium, you had to go through their gymnasium. So you had to go through the concourse of Memorial Coliseum. That's the name of their gymnasium there. On, on campus, you had to go through there, and for me, covering the game, I went through there, kind of wow, uh, went around, and then came down and entered onto the field. If you're following me on social media, you saw my Instagram video as I came onto the field, and then you, wa- I walked across the field, and that took you to where you would go up the ramp and go up to the elevator, to the concourse, go up to the elevator to go to the press box. But this is where it gets interesting. Auburn's locker room was not a locker room. It was a tent. It was a big tent, but it was a tent. Vanderbilt's an SEC school. I understand they were undergoing renovations. But you put an opposing team in a tent, 
there were some better road locker rooms for, for me playing football in high school than being put in a large tent behind the stadium. And, but that is where the Auburn team was put. And so I, I knew I had to, had to share that information uh, on the show today. But that's not it. That, that, that is not it at all. The post-game press conference for Hugh Freeze was held in a construction trailer, also behind the stadium. So, so this was my first time going to a road Auburn game, and well, uh, it, it certainly did not disappoint. It was very funny uh, that the way everything played out and the way everything was at, at Vanderbilt, and so I knew I needed to, to share that on the show today. But I don't want to bash on Vanderbilt too hard. Everyone was extremely nice. The accommodations were were the best that they could do. Uh, the press box was very nice. That part is not undergoing renovations. It, it was in a good spot. It was just everything else that had to do with the stadium. But I wanted to share that story, and I say all that to say it was just weird. But Auburn did what they needed to do. They did some good things. They did some bad things. They won the game, and that's what that's what matters. There were things in this game that made you scratch your head, and then there are times you're like, okay, well, this this is, you know looks like a pretty good team right here. That's just kind of what this this team is this year, so nothing surprises me at this point. But again, I just said last week on the show, Auburn need to get in there, they need to get the win and get out. They did that. Hugh Freeze said after the game, I, I'm going to have some audio from him later, but he did say after the game in his press conference that he didn't sleep at all the night before, just was anxious. He knew this was going to be a weird environment, and he had lost twice at Vanderbilt during his uh, tenure at Ole Miss, and Auburn had lost two straight at Vanderbilt. So no matter what the talent gap was there for Auburn actually being the positive end of it against Vanderbilt, it was still nerve-wracking. So let's get into the good. The good absolutely was the defense yet again. Only gave up one touchdown. They had five sacks. They had another interception to keep their their turnover streak going. They've had a, they forced a turnover in every game so far this season. They wanted to keep that going. They forced six, three and outs. They did have a little bit of a lull there in the in the second half, and that is something I've listed as kind of a bad thing, but that's nitpicking. They had a lull there late in the game, but when things mattered most, they got the stop. That could have put Vanderbilt within eight points that they had scored and gotten two-point conversion. The defense bared down, didn't allow it to happen there. They forced the turnover on downs, and, and Auburn was able to to finish that that game off. So, again, I have to give a lot of credit, as I do each and every week, to Ron Roberts and what he has done with this team. Very, very impressive and great to see the defense continuing to play at a high level. And then Jarquez Hunter, how about the game that he had? Here's Hugh Freeze on, on Hunter, and then I'll, I'll talk more about him. Yeah, I, I told, as soon as he, as soon as that first run hit, that's oh my! You just took the words out of my mouth on the uh, headset. I said Cadillac, that's as patient as I've seen him uh, on the inside zone, and um, I do think that's why he's having more explosive runs the last few weeks. Is it took him a while now? I remember California, man. This guy was wide open, and nothing was developing in front of him, and. It's uh, we've we've constantly progressed, and he's uh, he's being real patient right now. So there you heard it from Hugh Freeze. He was really fired up about Jarquez Hunter, and these last three weeks he started to break some big runs. He started to look like the the Jarquez Hunter that 
Auburn fans have known and loved, and man, just a phenomenal game from him because this offense was inconsistent. They were very boom or bust there for for the first half, and if, if Jarquez isn't able to break those big runs, th- this is a different game that you're talking about. So really great to see him, happy for him. I know he was excited, and so just a phenomenal Phenomenal game from Jarquez Hunter, and I thought the the interesting part, talking about him in the California game, that was his first game of the year, and you know, he, he was excited, and that's something that, you know, limited football knowledge, that it is a little bit hard to see from from that perspective, is he, what Hugh Freeze and the coaching staff can see as far as, is he waiting for blocks to develop, and, and whatnot, Tank Bigsby, uh, got a, got a lot of criticism in the past for not being a very patient running back during his time at Auburn. Jarquez actually has been uh, complimented for that patience. He may have not had it early in the year. We're seeing it more now. He's playing really good football. So that absolutely is a positive for Auburn. Peyton Thorne, I've got him in both lists because he was good and he was bad. He was a, It was a very hot and cold day for him. He finished 17 for 27 with 196 yards and two touchdowns. I'm going to talk about the drops in a minute. Take away the drops, he's probably only got three or four incompletions, if that. So, but the interceptions were inexcusable. Um, the interception was inexcusable. Should have been two interceptions if it had not gotten dropped, that second one. But besides those, he played well. He made some really good passes. He ran the ball well yet again. But the the interception in the... Uh, backed up against your own end zone, absolutely can't happen. That was an inexcusable decision. He knows that. But at the end of the day, can't. the other one was just a bad throw. I don't know what happened. I thought he got hit on it, and then I looked at the replay and said, no, it was just a, a really bad throw. But other than that, I thought it was a good day from Peyton Thorne. Robbie Asher did not play at all, so it was the first game all year that Peyton Thorne has played every single offensive snap at QB. He seems more comfortable, seems more confident now, and we'll see how that plays out moving forward for these final couple of games left in the season. As for the bad, I already mentioned the interception from Peyton Thorne, the wide receiver drops. That Auburn, I believe, had only dropped three passes all year, which is incredible. They dropped five technically on Saturday. I would say probably was more like seven. They did not count a couple of the drops in the formal stats, but I, I would say it was probably closer to about seven drops there uh, in the game. I, I don't know what got into them. Maybe maybe it's contagious. Uh, you hear that you hear that said often that you know drops are contagious. I maybe maybe that was the case. That doesn't need to happen. This this offense moving forward in, in bigger games, especially thinking about Arkansas this weekend, Iron Bowl, and a couple weekends. The margin for error is thin, cannot afford things like drops to happen. So that's got to get cleaned up from the receivers and, and tight end, including, you know, Rivaldo Fairweather, who had multiple drops. But those were kind of the the negatives, I thought, in this game. It was, it was a mixed bag. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't always pretty. But as I said, Auburn got the job done. So to wrap this up, I wanted to quickly discuss something Hugh Freeze said that caught my attention in the post-game press conference. He talked about Auburn had kind of ripped away all their previous goals and had had kind of gone to a week-to-week mindset. But he did talk about the importance of making a bowl game. So here's Hugh Freeze after the game. 
on Auburn's goals and making a bowl game this season? You know, I typically don't uh, – I'm not big on goals. I'm big on what are we doing today to get us closer to our competitiveness in this conference. But I kind of went away from that some and made it clear that this was uh, – I raced all our themes from the – first half of the season I put our last five games up and said look this, the the first logical step in, in our rebuild here is gaining bowl eligibility which we've done every year I've taken over a program in the first year whether it was Arkansas State, Ole Miss or Liberty um, and I think that's really invaluable to be able to do that. Number one you want to do it for your seniors. Number two you want to do it for your fans but number three, you want the extra practices and uh, and another chance to compete uh, for Auburn and to, and to put our kids in that scenario of, of playing another quality opponent in a, in a bowl game. So um, I did kind of go away and said that that is I've made it clear that is a goal of ours in year one and you know one step closer, but got some hard games left too. So there's a lot there in that that audio, but I thought it was really eye-opening to hear Hugh Freeze on that not being a big goal guy I thought was was interesting but I it was also the first time I've heard him now I could have just missed it but the first time I've actually heard him say the word rebuild uh rebuild season is kind of what he he said also I think in the press conference I don't think I had that part in in the audio clip but I thought it was really interesting to hear his perspective on this season and then talking to the players after we talked to Hugh Freeze on Saturday night, you heard the same things. So they, they bought into that message of let's take it week by week. We want to absolutely, they want to get to a bowl game. They want to have another oppor- extra opportunity to play with one another. And it would be big. This is a rebuild, but you want to make a bowl game. You, you want to give your, your fans some hope for the future. And, and doing a bowl game, showing improvement from last year that was only five wins would would be a would be a big deal for this Auburn team. So I thought that was really interesting. And Auburn now is in a great spot to make a bowl game, sitting at five wins. They got three games left. You've got the game against New Mexico State. So that should definitely get you to six. And then you got the opportunity to get a win this weekend at Arkansas, an opportunity at home in the Iron Bowl. So I, I just wanted to share that. I Again, I thought that was good perspective from Hugh, Th- Hugh Freeze. I don't have a strong opinion on one way or the other on his thing about goals and that he doesn't like goals. That that I don't really that doesn't really matter to me one way or the other. You may have a different opinion, but I did think the the key part was talking about the rebuild, talking about the importance of getting to a bowl game in year one, something that matters to him because he has done it. He did do it at Ole Miss. He did do it at Liberty, Arkansas State, as he mentioned. So with that, we will wrap up the recap segment of the show. When we get back, we will preview Arkansas. Stay tuned to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. Your career isn't a job at alabamaworks.com. Auburn will travel to Arkansas this weekend for another 3 o'clock kickoff on SEC Network. The Razorbacks are 3-6 and six this year. They got their first SEC win this past weekend and a huge overtime win at Florida that broke their six-game losing streak. Look, it's been a brutal year for the Razorbacks. They had to fire their OC. This was their first game since firing their offense coordinator, Dan Enos, 
and they are certainly better offensively than they than they've been all year. However, I think this is important to note about Arkansas. Don't let their record fool you. No, they're not a good team, but they're better than a three and six team. This team has players, and they played every game close. Their their largest loss was by twelve points to Texas A and M. The the margin for errors is so thin in football, and, and for Arkansas has found that out the hard way. They could very easily have not quite completely inverted their record, but I mean it could. They could certainly be sitting with you know five or six wins at this point compared to just three, and so they are a better team. That's that's what I'm saying, and I have not had a great feel about this game for a while. For, for Auburn, I haven't liked this matchup for a while for Auburn. One, going on the road, and yes, Auburn played better on the road against Vanderbilt, so maybe that, that is that is a step in the right direction. But still, it's on the road in the SEC, even against a, 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 a bad team. Auburn's not a good team either. I, I That has kind of been the reason I haven't liked that matchup. And then K.J. Jefferson, one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. It's a shame that... that this season has gone like it has gone for them. Their offensive line is horrendous, and I'll talk more about that in a second. That's been a major reason for their struggles this year. They've also got a super talented running back in Rocket Sanders. So as I mentioned, they have players. It starts with their QB. It starts with their running back. They just have had such big problems at other places that it it has caused them to lose a lot of games this season. Defensively, Travis Williams, former Auburn linebackers coach and former D.C. at UCF with Gus Malzahn. He is now the D.C. at Arkansas. They are an aggressive defense. Very uh, high-risk defense, so you can make them pay for it. They have a high sack rate percentage. It's over 10%. That is, I think, 8th in the country. Very, very good. I do not like that stat at all. To explain that, what sack rate percentage means, it means... Whenever, essentially, whenever the team passes, how much of the time are you able to sack the quarterback? So, ten percent is a an extremely high rate for for that. As I mentioned, top ten in the country. Not not a not good for Auburn, who has not been great in pass protection this year. So, what are the keys for this game for Auburn to to pull it out? It starts with being the more physical team. Arkansas's offensive line is poor. They are really, really bad. One of the worst I've seen uh, this season, especially in the SEC. But KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders are not going to be easy to tackle. If you've been watching Auburn football for a while, KJ Jefferson has been at Arkansas for an eternity. You know he is a big, physical quarterback. You're not just going to be able to hit him up high and get him to go down. You're going to have to hit him. You're going to have to wrap up. You're going to have to hit him hard. You're going to have to swarm, meaning multiple players are going to have to get there to him. So getting through the deep, the offensive line is one step. Actually tackling K.J. Jefferson is another. Then Rocket Sanders again, another player that you have to deal with in this backfield for the Razorbacks. So stop their run game and I think you'll have a good shot. Auburn's defense has been a strength for this team. They'll need to they're gonna have another big challenge. This will be their this will be their toughest challenge since the LSU game defensively. LSU's offense is much better than Arkansas's, but as far as quarterbacks go, 
KJ Jefferson, again, very good player. And as far as running games go with the quarterback, Auburn will have their hands full to stop KJ Jefferson. If they can do that, though, if they can limit KJ Jefferson, keep him in the pocket, contain him, maybe force some coverage sacks, that'll be key. Don't let Rocket Sanders get going either. KJ Jefferson can absolutely pass the football, but you got to take the run away first and force him to be more one-dimensional. What I don't like is Auburn's inability to rush rush the passer. Yes, they got five sacks against Vanderbilt, but it's still not a strength of this team. So that gives me concern this week against KJ because if you do give him time in the pocket, he'll either eventually take off running or he'll make you pay in, in the passing game. So keep him in the pocket and try to get some coverage sacks. Rely on your secondary. Try to get some coverage sacks. Make him just sit there, sit there, sit there. Keep him in contain. And then when he eventually tries to get out, then you make the sack. Easier said than done, but stop the run first. That is going to be key for the defense. As for the offense, it has to be a clean game. Peyton Thorne cannot make the mistakes he made last weekend at Vanderbilt. Cannot throw a pick six when you're backed up, when your back's against the wall. Have to make smart decisions overall. Has to make good throws. Auburn can make Arkansas pay for their aggression defensively. Travis Williams is going to look at the amount of sacks that Auburn has given up this year. He's going to be aggressive. He always is. He, He has no reason, no incentive to not be aggressive again this week. So avoiding negative plays, getting the ball out quick. I think when this offense has looked the best in the passing game is with RPOs and with getting the ball out quick, throwing those five-yard hit routes, whatever it is, getting getting Peyton Thorne comfortable early will be important. And you're going to have to take your shots, but they're going to have to be timed up at in the correct moments. And so Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze will have to figure that out but screens could be key again this week if Arkansas is aggressive blitzing. Uh, I think Auburn will have a chance to be really successful offensively in this game, but they'll also have the chance to make some major mistakes that could cost them. So how do I see this game playing out? I think it'll be a battle, but ultimately I do think Arkansas is going to find some success offensively. They look good at Florida this past weekend, and I, I like what what K.J. Jefferson brings to the table. And because Auburn struggles with a pass rush, I think that I really do think that's going to be the difference. Yes, Arkansas's offensive line is bad. I think Auburn will stop. I think Auburn will stop the the run game from Rocket Sanders because they've stopped traditional run games all year. But I think KJ Jefferson's scramble ability when Auburn can't get a pass rush on him will be a major issue for this defense. I I don't know. Ron Roberts certainly could have some answers to that. Hope he does. But that's why I don't like like it. And then offensively, I'm not sure that I'm confident enough in this offense to not make mistakes. In, the, in this game. They've improved. I've said that, but I still have concerns uh, about them. So I think Arkansas is going to win this game. I think it's going to be a very close game. I feel better about it than I did a few weeks ago because I'm glad Arkansas won at Florida because that kind of gets the monkey off their back, so to speak, as far as getting a win. But I still just, I don't know. It, it's just kind of a gut feeling. I don't like this matchup for Auburn. 
if it was at home, I, I would probably pick Auburn. But on the road here, uh, I think Arkansas will win this game. Uh, a, a 24 type, 20 type of game. I think it'll be a lower scoring. But ultimately, I think Auburn makes too many mistakes, doesn't play clean enough, and, and Arkansas gets the win. All right, we've got a few minutes left before we'll go to our second break. So I'm going to shift gears real quickly to basketball. We're going to spend the majority of the rest of the show on basketball. Auburn plays Baylor on Tuesday night and Southeastern Louisiana on Friday night to start the season. They played AUM this past week in a scrimmage, scored over 100 in that game. It wasn't as pretty of a game as I would have have liked to have seen, but Auburn looked like a team that knew they were playing AUM in that one. But I still saw, I did still see a lot of positives from, especially the newcomers, from Denver Jones, from Chad Baker, Mazzara, from Chaney Johnson. Really, some positive from that. Aiden Holloway did not play in that game against um, AUM because of an ankle injury. Bruce Pearl just literally right before we got back from the first commercial break, as, as he is speaking to the uh, media right now as I'm on air, he did say that he does expect Aiden Holloway to play tomorrow night, as well as Janai Broom. Janai Broom went down with a shoulder injury of some sort in the very beginning of the AUM scrimmage. Certainly not what you want to happen to who could be one of the best centers, was a preseason All-SEC uh, player to see him go down a scrimmage against AUM was extremely scary for for me as a as a as a fan, but also for the Auburn coaching staff, I'm sure. But Bruce Pearl said he expects him to be able to play tomorrow night as well. Auburn will need their full their full healthy team to take on Baylor uh, Tuesday night. We'll talk about that matchup in more detail, and I will finish up my season kind of preview when we return from break. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. COVID-19 changed everything. Before we dive into previewing Auburn's game against Baylor tomorrow night, let's first finish off the the preseason type of stuff. So starting out, talking about what my projection for Auburn's starting lineup is this season. Yes, I got to see a starting lineup against AUM last week. But I think Bruce Pearl did a different starting lineup in that game than he did in their secret scrimmage against Furman. So it, I don't think that necessarily what we saw against AUM will be the starting lineup we'll see Tuesday night. It could be, but I, I don't necessarily think that'll be the case. I really don't know what it's going to look like, and I think it's going to change some before we get into conference play and even later in non-conference play. I'm not sure this will be the you know the same starting lineup you see in in January. It's gonna be it's gonna fluctuate some. Some positions will not, but some will. Like the point guard position, I believe Trey Donaldson will get the start tomorrow night against Baylor. Aiden Holloway's injury, yes, I think did play a role in that to a certain degree. I was leaning towards Trey Donaldson starting anyways at the beginning of the season because of his experience. Now Bruce Pearl has said that one of them will start. One of them will finish games. We've seen that from Bruce Pearl in the past. I don't know how exactly that will look again this year if he likes Trey starting better and then Aiden coming off the bench or vice versa. We'll see, but right now I think Trey Donaldson will start tomorrow night. 
the two position, this is a position that I do think is locked in. Denver Jones, the transfer from Florida International, probably will be Auburn's leading scorer this year. No matter what, I think he's locked in to start at the two with Katie Johnson providing that spark off the bench. I think Auburn likes KD in that six-man type of role. And Denver Jones finally gives Auburn a strong player offensively at the two position. The three position, I really do not know. I This is Chris Moore started against AUM at the three. I said last week on the show I didn't think Chris Moore would have a big role this season. I could be wrong on that. His offense is still not great, but he is very good defensively. And with a team that is defensively weak this season, I think Bruce Pearl is going to value Chris Moore's defensive ability a lot. I know that's not necessarily something Auburn fans want to hear because we want offense and Chris Moore doesn't provide a lot of that. Uh, I know especially uh, a lot of fans don't, don't want to see him play a ton. I love Chris Moore. Yes, his offense leaves a lot to be desired, but he does provide a lot. I've got Chad Baker-Mazzara as my projected starter there, but I almost want to change that back to Chris Moore, at least early in this season, because of, because of the defense. Bruce Pearl is going to value that a lot. He's going to value the experience and the leadership, as I mentioned, from Chris Moore. So I'm going to lean more towards him starting, at least early on in the season, at the three position. At the four, I'm going with Jalen Williams. Channing Johnson started at the four against AUM. He's also someone who could possibly play the three. That is something to watch there as well. But we all know what Jalen Williams brings to this Auburn basketball team in his fifth year. I don't have to say too much about him, but the fact that Channing Johnson has made this such a competition and has did start over Jalen Williams against AUM, says a lot about Chaney and the player that he's going to be this season and moving forward for Auburn, but I still think Jalen Williams will get the start at the four. At the five, this is the other position that is definitely locked down. Assuming Janai Broom is healthy and good to go, he will be the starting center with Dylan Cardwell backing him up. I think the competition for leading scorer will be between Denver Jones and Janai Broom. So, the rotations again, though. You're going to see Trey Donaldson and Aiden Holloway at point guard. Denver Jones ran some point guard as well because Aiden Holloway was down, so he's kind of third in line there. You'll see Katie Johnson at the two. You'll see Leor Berman some at two or the three with Chad Baker-Mazzara. And, you again, you can see Chaney Johnson bump down to the three. He'll play the three or the four. Chris Moore can also play the four if needed. So, you'll see some different rotations if you've watched Auburn basketball for a while, you know Bruce Pearl will have big rotations early on in the season. He'll play pretty much uh, every one, and then those minutes will start to tighten as non-conference moves moves on. What is what is weird is that Auburn is starting with Baylor, who is a great team, early on in the year. So does that change how Bruce Pearl rotates? I don't think so. I think he'll stick to what he's always done early in the year. Nobody will play too, too many minutes. Everyone will get about about the same. But I could be wrong. We'll see. If this game were played in January, then no. It, w- it would be a tighter rotation, and uh, we'll see that as the season moves forward. So let's talk about some key games this year in non-conference first and then in conference. Of course, this Baylor game, as I mentioned, tomorrow night is in South Dakota in a neutral site. Big game. You can pad your resume uh, really, really early in the season with a win. 
but there's not really much to lose by losing the game either. So, so it's a win-win scenario there for Auburn. Then they'll go to New York City, I believe, the end of next week before Thanksgiving uh, for a tournament. They'll play Virginia, um, not Virginia Tech in that tournament, but they'll play some um, some good teams up there. I think St. Bonaventure in, in one. It's one of the matchups, and depending on how the games go, is who they'll play in the other uh, other game. They'll play two games up there in NYC. They'll play Virginia Tech at home. This is the first year of the SEC-ACC uh, matchups, so they'll play them. Uh, be a good opportunity, another good opportunity to get a decent win. Indiana in Atlanta. Auburn's been playing in Atlanta for the last couple of years. Indiana's going to be a really good team again this year, so that'll be a big matchup, another great opportunity. Then USC at home, that is going to be extremely fun. It's over Christmas break, but I still still think it'll be a great environment for, for that one. Of course, Bronny James, son of LeBron James, is on USC, but they've also got some really good players. The number one player in last year's recruiting cycle, Isaiah Collier, is there at USC. So that that's a big one. Again, Auburn always schedules a tough non-conference slate. You need to because it helps you build your resume to eventually get into the NCAA tournament. I don't love it. I don't love because teams change so much from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. It's a long season, but it matters. It matters what you do. It matters what Auburn's going to do tomorrow night against Baylor. That'll, that November 7th game will matter come mid-March when the selection uh, is decided. So, uh, big, big challenging games. For a conference play, Auburn starts at Arkansas for the first conference game. Going to be a tough uh, matchup on the road, but it'll be a fun one that has turned into quite a fun basketball rivalry. So really looking forward to that one. They'll play Alabama twice like always. I did think it is important to note these two play each other close together. I think there's one game in January and one game in February this season. So earlier on in the year. So they'll go... Uh, just a few weeks apart from playing each other, it won't be as spread out. So I, I don't necessarily like that. I'd rather the two play each other at least once later into the season, but that's how it worked out this year. Auburn will travel to Tennessee again. Of course, last year that game at Tennessee was in the 40s. That was one of the ugliest offensive games, basketball games I've ever watched. Uh, Auburn did beat them at home, though, Tennessee at home. Later on in the year, that kind of sealed the deal for Auburn getting into the NCAA tournament. So that always is a good one, especially when Bruce Pearl goes back to Knoxville. And then finally, Auburn gets to host Kentucky. So those are just some of the the games that I kind of pointed, pointed out that kind of stuck out to me. Of course, every game this year in the SEC is going to be big. The conference is as good as it's ever been. It is as deep as it's ever been. And that's why if I'm, my predictions for Auburn, I kind of think they'll finish four to six in the in the SEC this season, which I think will be pretty good. Again, Tennessee, Alabama, Texas A&M, Kentucky, it, it is a, a loaded uh, SEC this season. And again, there's a lot of really good coaches. The conference, the conference decided they wanted to be good at basketball and with the money and to start actually putting money into their programs. These Auburn, your Ole Miss, Mississippi State, you know, team programs that had not always done so. 
And so now you've got a really loaded conference, one of the best in college basketball now. And it is crazy to think how far this conference has come from it just being really Kentucky and Tennessee and the not-so-distant not pass to, to what it is now. So that's why I'm saying 4-6 to six in the SEC, similar to what Auburn finished last season. Yes, but I think the conference is going to be a lot better this year. And so I think that would be a, a solid finish. I think if Auburn does that, they'll finish as a 5-7 to seven seed in the NCAA tournament. They were an 8 seed last year. It, the, the reason I don't have them higher, I think absolutely they could finish the top of the SEC. I don't think they will just because of the transfers and so, so many new pieces. I think this team is going to peak late in the season, which is what you want. But if you do peak later in the year, that means you'll probably have some struggles there in non-conference, have some struggles there in, in conference play, and, and therefore you don't finish as high as maybe you would like to if you had a more of a returning team. So that's why I kind of think this Auburn team will finish where where kind of upper middle of the pack in the SEC. But again, they finish there, they'll position themselves still in a good spot in the NCAA tournament with a chance to make a deeper run than they did last season. Again, I am very optimistic about this team. I'm just trying to put reasonable expectations on this season. So with the preseason kind of knocked out, let's talk about this Baylor game on Tuesday night. Baylor, as I mentioned, the ranked 20th team in the country. Many people project them to win the Big 12 this year in basketball. A couple of key players to watch, starting with their uh, guard, Ray J. Davis. He was the MAC Player of the Year. Now he transferred to Baylor. Uh, Langston Love is uh, also projected to start a guard for them. Well, wasn't a huge contributor last year, but looking for a bigger role. Then they've got Jacoby Walker, who's a true freshman, five-star guard, number one player in Texas. He's, he's going to be a tough matchup. He's probably going to play the three position, which is why I'm leaning more towards Chris Moore getting the start at the three position tomorrow night because of his defense. Chad Baker-Mazzara, absolutely the better offensive player, but Chris Moore provides that defense. If Auburn's trying to set the tone and not let Baylor get off to a hot start, then maybe Chris Moore gets the start there. We'll see. And then their forwards, Jalen Bridges, a very good player. Uh, Jonathan uh, TT, I'm not going to try to pronounce that last name. He's been there forever. He went through a terrible, terrible injury. He returned last season. He's trying to get back to the player he was before his injury. We'll see. He's going to be a tough matchup for probably either Jalen Williams or Janai Broom, whoever ends up getting matched up with him. So you got that Baylor game, South Dakota on Tuesday, and then the first home game in Neville Arena for the season against Southeastern Louisiana on Friday night at 7 o'clock, Neville Arena, I'm sure, will be on fire. It's a road football game, so it won't be as big if you had the, a home basketball game on Friday night, a home football game on Saturday, but I still think there will be plenty of students there and I'm sure plenty of fans. Really looking forward. I love Auburn basketball. Really looking forward to this season starting and getting going. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, I've got a lot of optimism for this team, I'm really excited about their potential. I do see this as a team that's going to peak at the right time, meaning I think they'll play their best basketball in March, not their best basketball in November or December. So there's going to be some growing pains, absolutely. 
but it's, it'll be important to keep that in perspective and to remind me of what I said when I'm sitting here down the road frustrated about you know maybe how this how this team is playing. You may have to remind me, Carson. Remember you said you think this team's going to play their best basketball in March, and I, and I do. Alrighty, with that, we will wrap up this segment. I actually moved through the football and basketball quicker than I anticipated, so that will give me some more time to talk a little college football in general and to predict some games for this Saturday. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. When we return, we'll make predictions. Hey, Dr. Phil here. I help people solve difficult and trying personal problems every day on my TV show. Association and this station. This past weekend of college football was really an entertaining and exciting weekend. You had a great game between Alabama and LSU. Yes, I did get that prediction wrong. I don't think I was wrong on Jaden Daniels being the best player, though. I, I would still lean towards him right now for the Heisman Trophy. He did get hurt in that game. I hope that, that he is okay. Speaking of him, though, I'll go ahead and predict this game. Florida travels to LSU. I mentioned they lost to Arkansas at home. Now they they have a real chance to finish 5-7 and seven this year. They already have five wins. They've just got to find a way to win one of their remaining three games. But they travel to LSU, then they travel to Missouri, and then they play at home against Florida State to finish out the year. So they've got a brutal finishing stretch. But if Jaden Daniels can't go, does maybe... Florida have a chance in this game. I think even without Jaden Daniels, I think LSU will be in control. The only way LSU loses this game to Florida is that they're they're kind of in a letdown spot here because they're coming off such an emotional game against Alabama. Now they're out of the you know completely out of the playoff race, completely out of the SEC championship race. If they let those things affect them, then Florida will have a chance. If not, even without Jaden Daniels, Garrett Nussmeyer, their backup, very very good player. He, he will more than likely be LSU's starting quarterback next season. Uh, I think he'll play well if Jaden Daniels can't go. So I like LSU in that one. The biggest game, arguably the biggest game of the week, is Michigan at Penn State. Yes, we know all the drama going on with Michigan and the sign stealing, and there's probably going to be more info coming out on, on that this week. It seems like there's new info that comes out every day on, on that scandal. I'm not going to dive into that if I was doing a general college football podcast or a Michigan podcast, and I certainly, certainly would, but don't don't have time to, to get into all that at, at this moment, so I'll just talk about the football of it. James Franklin has a horrendous record against Michigan and Ohio State. He does a great job getting Penn State to a high level. He beats the teams who he's supposed to beat, he, and he loses to the teams he's supposed to lose to. They've, they've, they've only been favored once against Michigan and Ohio State, and the one time they were favored, he did win it. But he does catch a lot of flack because of his record against the two schools. And Michigan looks like one of the best teams in the country. So until I see it from Penn State, I'm going to pick Michigan in this game, even on the road at State College. The key here, though, for Penn State, they have a very good rush defense. Their defense is very good overall. Manny Diaz, the defense coordinator there, does a tremendous job. Michigan's offense, it starts with the run for them. Can they slow down this Michigan offense and they'll have a chance? But I still haven't seen enough from Drew Aller and this Penn State offense to give me confidence that even as well if their defense plays, can they score enough 
to even win this game. So I like Michigan on the road. Ole Miss at Georgia. Ole Miss is still alive in the SEC West race. It's, I think Bama has to lose, though, to Kentucky. You would have to lose, uh, I think, again to Auburn to 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 be able to win the S- oh, for Ole Miss to be able to win the SEC West. However, even if they can't win the West, they're still fighting for an opportunity to make a New Year's Six Bowl. It's been a really good season for them. Georgia coming off the win at home against Missouri. Really a tough, tough stretch here for Georgia to finish out their season. Hosting Ole Miss this weekend after the Missouri game. Ultimately, though, I think Georgia has found their stride. They're playing really good football right now. They look like a true national championship contender. So I like Georgia at home to win this game. But if Ole Miss can can force some turnovers from Carson Beck, if if Jackson Dart plays at a really high level that like he's capable of, they can they can possibly pull off the upset. I do think it'll be a close game. I do think Ole Miss is good enough to keep it close like Missouri did. Just don't think they'll have enough in the end. I like Georgia in this one. Tennessee at Missouri. So Missouri, as I mentioned, close loss against Georgia this past weekend. They are a good team. They are a really good team this year. Hats off to Eli Drinkwitz. Both of these two sit at 7-2, and two, Tennessee and Missouri. So they're essentially this game will decide who finishes second in the SEC East. How does Missouri respond? That was a tough environment to go into last week against Georgia to play a tough game to ultimately lose. How did they respond? If they respond well, I like Missouri. If they're, if they're still a little bit hungover on that game from the previous weekend, then Tennessee can come in there and win. If this game was at Tennessee, I would go with the Vols. But it's at Missouri, so I'm going to go Mizzou in this one. I think they'll bounce back well, and I think they will get the win at home. USC at Oregon. What a game USC at Washington was last weekend. USC fired their defense coordinator, Alex Grinch, after the game. Long time coming there. USC fans would argue he should have been fired before the season even started. Caleb Williams played phenomenal, but ultimately the the defense hasn't been able to stop anything, anyone, and I don't think that's going to change even with Alex Grinch fired. USC has to change the mentality there. They've got to change their recruiting priorities in order to get that defense to where it needs to be to compete at a national championship level. So I'm going to go Oregon at home, but still a dangerous game for the Ducks. As you saw, USC put up a great fight against Washington. So, dangerous game for Oregon, but I like the Ducks to get the win. Utah at Washington. Washington, as I mentioned, just got the win over over USC this past weekend. Now they'll face a very good defense in Utah. They played well against USC, but that offense has been struggling. It had been struggling up until that USC game. Did they find something again, or was it more of just a really, were they playing a really poor defense? Utah's going to make this a game. They're, they're, Utah's offense is poor, we know that, but they're going to make this a game against Washington. I think it'll be close into the fourth quarter. Ultimately, though, Michael Penix is one of the best players in college football. He'll make the plays that he needs to make to win this game for the Huskies. I like Washington. Well, with that, we will wrap up the show. Thank you all for listening. We had plenty to talk about with Auburn football and basketball. It's going to be a fun week. You get Auburn basketball tomorrow night. 
You get Auburn basketball Friday night. And then you get Auburn football on Saturday. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Enjoy this time of the year where you get this crossover between basketball and football. Take advantage of it and and really have a, have a good time with the week. We'll be back here to talk about all of it next week next week on the show, talking about recapping Auburn basketball's first two games, talking about the Arkansas game, and, and moving forward. We've only got one more show before Thanksgiving. So also we'll have the Iron Bowl preview on next week's show too. So man, we're, we're going to have plenty to talk about on uh, next week. So make sure you're tuned in. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com. And follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle, and see you next time.